Wow. Supernatural. Here we are. Pentecost. It's a great uh, time to celebrate. You know, I was just reading some stuff. Uh, J. John actually said this in his post yesterday. He said, Pentecost is extraordinary important for today. It has been said, if Christmas is God with us and Easter is God for us, then Pentecost is God in us. And it certainly is. But, you know, it's one of those words that people sort of brush over and go, what really is Pentecost? You know, if I was to send the mic around right now and ask you, what does the word Pentecost mean? Well, it's very simple. It's not, nothing scary about it. It just means 50. 50. That's what Pentecost means. It's a Greek word, Pentecost. That's where you get the word pente, meaning five. Pentecost equals 50. It's a celebration of the seventh Sunday after Easter, which is also the 50 days after Easter, the day of Pentecost. Pentecost uh, is, like I said, the Greek. The Jewish word was the Feast of Harvest, of the Feast of the Weeks, which was the Jewish celebration of given of the law of Mount Sinai. It occurred 50 days after Passover when they took the blood of the lamb and placed it in the door frame. The angel of death came by, passed by because of the blood that was covered on the lentil of the doorposts. 50 days later, God descended on Mount Sinai and delivered the law, which was also 50 days after the Passover. So you'll see that the use of 50, 50 days after the Passover, uh, the law was given 50 days in Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection. So that's where we get the, the word 50. So we just think 50, okay? Everyone's going to say 50. You say 50? Pentecost, all right? So, that's, so you'll remember that because, you know, quite often in your Christian travels, you'll forget certain words. And, and, and as a seasoned Christian, perhaps, you know, somebody may be an unbeliever. What do you go, what's Pentecost mean? And you go, hang on, I, I can't know that. Now, what was it again? And you'll go, oh, that's right, Pastor Ian said 50. Well, it means 50, and on that day, <laughs> this happened, and it'll give you a starting place anyway. So Pentecost is 50, the Greek word. And uh, more importantly, what happened at Pentecost? Well, let's go back. Uh, Jesus appears in Luke, in the end of Luke, uh, to his disciples after his resurrection. So here's Jesus appearing to many in the Bible after resurrection. And when we get to Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he said this to them, And behold, I send the promise of my Father on you, but you sit in the city of Jerusalem until you are with power from on high. Here Jesus gives the instructions to the disciples to wait in Jerusalem, and you will wait for the promise of the Father, and you'll be clothed from on high. Now, Luke it gets extended into the book of Acts, right? So Luke, uh, Acts is a continuation of Luke. And we read in Acts 1.4, something very similar. And it says, Having met with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait the promise of the Father which you heard from me, he said. For, truly, uh, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So here we have the instruction, the disciples have been told to wait in Jerusalem in the upper room. There's 120 there, they're in the upper room, and it says in Acts 1.14, they were continuing one accord, one accord in prayer. So you can imagine it would be an incredible prayer meeting to be part of. These people just waiting on a promise, not knowing exactly what that looked like or what that was going to be, but they had a promise and they were told to wait. 
Some of us have troubles waiting. Are you one of those impatient people? And when we, when we become impatient, we miss the promise of God. Quite often we can just go off, it hasn't happened, it's never going to happen, and we just miss that. But when we're willing to wait, wait is the key word, God will come meet you. So let's have a look this morning at Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through to 6, where we can see the account of the day of Pentecost. It says here, And in the fulfilling of the day of Pentecost, they were all with one accord in one place. So here they are, all in one accord in one place. And suddenly a sound came out of heaven as borne along by the rushing of a mighty wind. Special effects. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Just want to get that one in there. Uh, (laughs) And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And tongues as of fire appeared to them being distributed, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And dwelling at Jerusalem, there were Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. But the sound occurring, uh, but this sound occurring, the multitude came together and were confounded because they each heard them speaking in their own dialect. So here we are. It says devout men of every nation under heaven, because it was a tradition to come back for these feasts to Jerusalem, and that's why we had so many different dialects being spoken. But suddenly an event happened where they were confounded because they could understand what was being said in this, in this language. Uh, and this language is spoken of, I believe, in Zeph- Zephaniah, that's a word, isn't it? Zephaniah verse 3, verse 9. It says, for then I, God says, For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language, that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him in one accord. There's that word again, one accord. A pure language, a pure language that they could all understand. See, the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit fell upon them and they spoke in one accord, in, one, in a new language, it was a reversal of what took place in the Tower of Babel. Do you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? It says in Genesis 11.1, 1, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And then you drop down to verse 11, verse 4, it says, And they came, uh, they came and said, Come, let us build a city and a tower, and it's top to the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. Verse 6 says, And Jehovah said, Behold, the people is one, and they all have one language. And this they uh, begin to do, it says, and this they will begin to do, and now nothing which they have imagined to do will be restrained from them. There is power in unity when you come together. And they knew in the time of Babel that the one language brought them together in unity. It brought them together in unity. But there was a, another instance where they're all brought together in unity was the day of Pentecost. The people of the Tower of Babel were wicked people, but weren't redeemed by the blood of Jesus. God scattered them, and what Jesus has done on the cross, he brought us all back together with a new language, a heavenly language. You must have one language for unity. You can't have several. Now, I remember being in Myanmar, and uh, I went one year on my own, and uh, it was a difficult moment because most of the people around me couldn't speak English or a few little words. And I kind of really got the understanding of that whole unity. Uh, I was traveling a lot with uh, 
this Mong Pi's cousin, who's another Mong Pi. Everyone's Mong Pi. And, uh, <laughs> and it was quite amusing because he was trying his best to communicate in the English he, uh, he's understood. And so we would be walking and I'd ask him questions and I'd say to him, so what, what time is the first session? He goes, yes, Pastor yes, Pastor Yes, so, and uh, so where are we going right now? Yes, Pastor Ian, yes, Pastor Ian. <laughs> Everything was just, I wasn't getting anywhere. There was no unity, so I had no clue what was going on. So we need to be able to understand, and language is important. And, uh, but in the case of the Tower of Babel, they were doing it for destructive reasons. They want to be, climb to the heights of God. And Babel, of course, means confusion. Uh, you know, but God has, came in... Pentecost to restore that whole thing. So we see in the, um, the whole story of Pentecost where the people were standing and the Holy Spirit hits them and they release one language. God brought a pure language back together, a pure language to each one of us. That which was taken away in the Tower of Babel was given back in the book of Acts, we read uh, with Pentecost. So there was, there's a... a you can see there's an, an Old Testament reference to that and a New Testament uh, change, which you'll I'll see in a few moments through a few passages. But the thing is, what happens on Pentecost is like we look back to Pentecost like, wow, that was amazing. It would have been incredible to be there that day, you know. And we kind of like distance ourselves from it sometimes. We distance ourselves from it. That was an event that took place all that time ago, and it's not really relevant for today. But it is. Can you experience Pentecost today? Acts 2.14 says this, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Men, Jews, and all who dwell at Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, not some flesh, all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So the experience was, was for all, for all. And we read in Acts 2.41 that those who gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day they were added about 3,000 souls. So Peter has a whole boldness. He has the experience of the Holy Spirit, and now he's got a complete boldness inside him to speak out. You ever felt that, 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 that boldness of God? You know, the, you can feel the timid, timidity, or else would, no, timid, being timid, but he's talking about boldness here. And here's Peter. He stood up on that day after having this experience, and it says 3,000, about 3,000 people were added that day. Well, it's an instant church, isn't it? That's awesome. But once again, this counteract, back in Exodus 32, verse 27 to 28, it talks about when uh, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the, the tablets of the law, that there are those that actually had made a calf and turned against them. And, and the challenge was put to them, for those that are with us, uh, are against us, he told the believers to go out and kill them. So there's about 3,000 died because of the law that day. But then we see in the New Testament, 3,000 are alive by the Spirit. So 3,000 by the law, because the law brings death, and the Spirit brings life. But what about this for us today? You know, 
I've had my own experience, and many of you may have had that experience. As a new believer, uh, it's kind of like I wanted everything that Jesus had to offer. And if it said it, I believed it and I accepted it. That's it. So being brought up in a particular, uh, I was brought up in a Baptist church, there was a lot spoken but not a lot demonstrated in the aspect of the Spirit. And um, so I'd pop off to another church sometimes that spoke more about the whole Holy Spirit because I want to know a bit more. And, uh, and I had an encounter one time at one church, and it was quite amazing because uh, I, I came expectant, but I wasn't worried because I know God's not going to give you bad things. Some people kind of like get scared about this whole thing of the Holy Spirit, like, oh, yeah, I know it's in the Bible, but let's just leave it there. But we're not to leave it there because it's supposed to be in here. It's supposed to be with us, working through us. And when we get scared of it, that's when we shut it down. And we can become all religious about it all. And some churches do because they teach that Pentecost was just all about that day and it's not for today. But I want to tell you what it is. So I'm at this meeting and this guy says, today, some of you are going to speak in a new tongue for the first time. Now, I didn't know what that really meant and what that was. And I go, okay, well, okay, it says in the Bible, so let's go for it. And... <laughs> And he says, we're going to just, right now, we're just going to wait upon the Lord. We're going to cry out and just sing together right now. And we just sung this hallelujah song. Yeah, hallelujah. And, and it was just going on. You could suddenly feel the presence of God in the atmosphere. It was just amazing. I go, wow. He says, right now, I want all the men to come up on stage. And I go, okay, I liked it up to that bit, all right? It was good until you said that. <laughs> I don't want to come up on stage. And I remember being at the front of the altar, there's thousands of people there. And, and when they said that, the men come, I sort of ducked down a bit because I was you know, a bit tall. And there's a couple of ladies just pushed me, come on, you're a man, get up there. <laughs> and I said, oh, uh, yeah, all right, all right. So, uh, so I saw other men go and I thought, okay, I can sort of hide in there a bit. And uh, as, as we, we kind of swung up on the stage, I thought, oh, I'm heading for the back. I don't want to be seen by anyone. I'm, I'm going to the back. But as I was one of the first people going to the front, they said, come on, there's more room. We make more room. So I'm at the back and all of a sudden, I'm getting pushed around to the front. <laughs> and I remember that moment like, God, this better be you because I'm, like, I'm just like freaking out right now with all these thousands of people looking. And um, as they started to sing the song, suddenly I just felt something. I just felt something change in the atmosphere. And uh, we were just all singing hallelujah, and I'm singing hallelujah, hallelujah. And, and uh, suddenly I just felt like a trembling in my body. And, and then I realized, because he suddenly said, now speak in, uh, sing in your, um, in your language, your spiritual language. And I didn't know what that was. And I'm just, all of a sudden I realized something different was coming out of my mouth. And I wasn't, I go, hang on, is that me? Because all these people around me, you remember, there's all this noise. I'm going like this, trying to listen. <laughs> and I go, wow, this is me. And um, so I go, this, this, this is it, is it? This is what you do, you know? And I thought, this is, this is really amazing. And um, then all died and he said, look, okay, the preacher said, who sung or spoke in tongues for the first time? Who felt the baptism of the fire of the Holy Spirit? And I went, yeah, I did. That's, yeah, that's, that was amazing. And, and, and lots of hands went up, and that was all good. The meeting came to an end. I was on my way home. I'm in my car. And then I'm going, is that real? See, we always doubt things, don't we? And uh, I reckon the devil was in on that too, going, that didn't really happen. That's, not, that's nothing to worry about. And I started to doubt the whole process. And I went, 
Ah, perhaps that what? No, I don't, I don't know. It just didn't settle well with me. I thought, perhaps I'm not baptised in the Holy Spirit that it talks about in Acts. Perhaps it was just something I imagined and just caught up in the moment. Well, about three days later, I was at another meeting, and they said, if you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit, you may have been water baptised, but you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit, and you want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues, come forward. And I went, yep, that's what I want. Now, that's a clear message. I'm coming forward on that one. And, uh, and I did. And no joke, these two guys said, right, we're going to pray for you, and you're going to speak in new tongues. I go, okay. Well, the thing is, they just touched me, and I started speaking in tongues. They hadn't even said a word. They sort of jumped back. and went, well, what just happened there? <laughs> I said, I think I already had it. I just denied it. I'm telling you, there's a power in the Holy Spirit when we use that language. People say to me, I can't pray for more than five minutes. I'm telling you, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit of speaking in tongues, which is available to us all. You can go for hours. I tell my young preachers, spend an hour speaking in tongues, praying in, in the Spirit before you, you preach, because uh, it says it uh, edifies your spirit. and We need to have our spirit edified. So we have a lot of uh, people in different traditions will say, it's not for today and it's not for today. I say, look, it is for today. I know I've got it. I know and I know many of you have. But I want us all to have because in the days we're heading into, we need to have the Holy Spirit with us. We need to have ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We need to be in touch with Him and be empowered by Him. But some say, oh, but you know, I'm not so sure that it's really for today. Well, let's have a look at some verses here that actually makes it clear. Acts 2.38. So it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, this is an important verse here, Acts 2.39, the next verse says, For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all those far off, as many as the Lord God shall call. Now, let's, let's read, you know, it did not say, for the promises for you here today. He didn't say that. He said, for the promises to you, your children, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, it goes on, and to all those far, afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Okay, so that's, he made it pretty clear there. It's for everyone. Well, let's go a little bit further. Now, there's a big break between Acts chapter 2 and when you get to Acts 19, and there's also one I'll bring in before that. You know, we sometimes read the Bible like it's happened the next day, and we're in the next day. But, you know, between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 19, there's a period of some 24, I think it's 24 years had gone past. 24 years. So we see the, the fire come upon the people in Acts 2. Then we see further on, uh, Philip preached in Samaria. It says here in Acts 8, 12, so we're going on a bit further now in time. But it says, But when they believed Philip preached in the gospel, the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now here it says they were baptized, okay? They were baptized in water. They believed they were baptized in water. That's as far as it goes in that verse there. But now listen to this. In Acts 8.14, word got out about what was going on in Samaria. And the apostles in Jerusalem, it says here, hearing that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now we, we see they've been baptized in water, but now they've sent the apostles, uh, Peter and Paul, down to lay hands on these 
people that they may receive the Holy Spirit. And verse 16 says, For as yet he had not fallen on any of them. They were baptized in only the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at Acts chapter 19. Now you remember this is 24 years, this is probably AD 54. Uh, the gospel had gone out, but not all had received the Holy Spirit. And it happened in the time Apollos was at Corinth, Paul was passing through the higher parts of Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said to him, We did not know as much as hear whether the Holy Spirit is. And I was saying, even heard about the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit? And unfortunately, there's some churches like that today. What's the Holy Spirit? And he said to them, Then to what were you baptized? And they said, To John's baptism, which was water baptism. Verse 4. And Paul said, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe unto him coming after him, that is, unto Jesus, or into Jesus. And here and there they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. What an incredible time. I've been in many meetings like that, and we've kind of drifted. And you know what? The devil just loves this whole deal. He loves to take what is God's truth and twist it a little bit or make you think it's not important. And today we, we, we've lost a lot of that power of the Holy Spirit in the meetings because we have believers that are not actually operating in the, in the Holy Spirit. They're actually just attend church, I love the worship, great worshipers and all that, but we need to be people of power. We need to demonstrate the work of the power of the kingdom of God wherever we are. We need to sh- demonstrate that. We need to be laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed at work. Wherever I've prayed for people in supermarkets, you know, when they just say, hey, look, they bump it up. So I got that. Can I pray? You know, I'm in the aisle, you know. <laughs> it's like, I thought you can ask me for a, can you help me to get a can of baked beans off the shelf? <laughs> um, but they want prayer because. God uses us, uses the Holy Spirit through us to reach other people. We need the Holy Spirit to guide and teach us. In John 14, 26, it says, But your advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. So we need the Holy Spirit to be taught. We need, we need guidance. We need guidance. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us. I often will say that. I say, Holy Spirit, just show me what to do here. Holy Spirit, just teach me what to do here. What's this situation about? Ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to help each one of us. Can you imagine if everyone in the church life was filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, back in time gone by, we've seen many revivals take place. And it started with a breakthrough, the power of the Holy Spirit moving upon people's lives. In Azuzu Street in 1905, there was an outpouring there of God's Spirit. People were speaking in tongues. People were falling in the streets under the power of God. They were blocks away sometimes. It was just an incredible power. You had in a, um, the Welsh Revival, Evan Roberts' uh, Welsh Revival, uh, where people were just coming to Christ as they were praying and believing the Holy Spirit's moving. See, the Holy Spirit hears your voice and will work with you. We work with the Holy Spirit. And uh, in the Welsh Revival, once again, pubs were being closed down and being turned into prayer meetings. You know, how would that be? Like, uh, incredible. 
And I've, I, I shared this in Myanmar, which they thought was really funny, and I think I've said it here before. There was an account of the Welsh miners were so convicted and gave their lives to Christ that the next day things had changed because they could not work anymore in the mines for a while because the horses that were trained to bring out the carts with the coal on it had only learned their previous language, which wasn't a pure language. It was a swear language. So the, the horses had learned the swear words to be obedient to uh, the miners. And now they have had a conversion. They have been set free. They've been set free of their language. Now the horses can't understand a word they're saying. <laughs> so there was an amazing thing to take place, but there'd be amazing things in your life too that will take place when you allow the Holy Spirit to touch you. We need the Holy Spirit. And, and my word for you today is Acts 9-2, as I just read before. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Good question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Because it is for all of you. Going back to what Peter said, is for all of you. Don't doubt yourself. Say, no, I'm not good enough for that or it's not for me. You've got to go with the Scripture. You either believe God, you're all in on what God says, or you're not. There's no half ways. You can't pick and choose verses. You can't say, well, I don't like that one, so I'm not, I'll ignore that one. But I like this one. That's good. You can't do that. It's all or nothing. And his words to us is, it is for everybody, everyone. All. All means all. For all those. Okay, I'm the verse now. But anyway, it's um, Holy Spirit is for you. And it's a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've got to understand God wants to give you good things. God doesn't give you bad things. God gives you good things because he wants to empower you. And I said, you need to be empowered because the days ahead of us are going to look crazy, particularly in, like I said, there was, a, there was the Passover when um, the angel of death went past the houses that had the, the lentil, the doorposts painted with the blood of the lamb. I'm telling you, there's going to be, we were, Sharon was listening and telling me about one of the prophets talking about we're going to have that experience of a Passover shortly too because the world has become so evil. There's going to be a moment in time where we're actually uh, going to have a lockdown again, but it's going to be a good lockdown and God's going to deal with the evil in that lockdown. We'll be kept safe in our homes where the evil one passes by. Now, I say that because I've heard it from very good sources, military and all that. But when I hear it aligned with a prophetic voice, I go, there's something in this. There's something in this. So I'm just telling you, church, I told you two years ago that get ready for something and there is something coming. Uh, and like God gives you plenty of warning, plenty of time. And in that time, I was just saying, you know, just be prepared. There may be a time where you won't be able to go to the supermarkets for a certain amount of time, get money. Power's going to be shut down. Internet's gone, all those things. But when we've got the Holy Spirit and we're all prepared, we hear what God is saying, we can decipher those moments. We can go, okay, that's, that sounds interesting. Let me just hear from God on that. But there's a moment and time coming and you need to be ready for it. And if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, you might just miss and get caught up in, in the mess that's to come. But those that believe in Him, He speaks to them. He speaks to them if we have ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. I just want you to close your eyes right now and um, I'm just going to pray because you won't hear the Spirit until you actually surrender to the Spirit. You need to surrender to Jesus who gives us the Spirit. 
And this morning, this place, if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, you have an opportunity right now. If you've never asked forgiveness for your sins, you don't know what it's like to have to be set free and have hope for the future. I want to give you that opportunity right now. And it's just a prayer way. It's asking Jesus into your life. Ask Him to forgive you of all sins. And if that's you this morning, just wherever you are with every head bowed, eye closed, just raise your hand and I'll see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And perhaps you're not even sure. You may be in that place where I'm sure I kind of committed to Jesus once, but I'm not sure if I'm there at the moment and I need to redo that. Just raise your hand also. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the other thing I want to do this morning, I'm going to take that as you've made a decision, all of you, for Christ. But as that verse says, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you just put that on the shelf? Because I'm telling you, this morning God wants to give you, He wants to fill you with that Spirit. But you've got to want it. You can't sort of just... You know, you, you just got to be open. See, some of us are so closed. We can even have a religious voice in our head right now. Oh, I don't believe that scripture. You know, I got the whole works when I got baptized. No, we saw clearly in the scriptures, people were baptized in the water for repentance, but then they were filled by the Holy Spirit after by the laying on the hands. So I want to say this morning, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've never uh, been filled with the Spirit of God in that way, never spoken in tongues or operating those gifts. God wants you to have that. He wants you to have that boldness in Him. But it comes with you being open to Him. So I'm going to ask you all to stand this morning. And as the music plays, uh, I just want you to come forward. If you're hungry for God, you just come forward. Even if you think you've had the experience, God, I want more. God, I want more. I want all you have to offer. I, I want to receive from you. If that's you, just leave your seat as the song plays. And I'm going to come along and share. We're going to lay hands on you that the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power and release those spiritual gifts upon your life. We should all be hungry for this. God's called us for such a day as this. Come Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us. Come on, just come forward right now.